0: Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk Notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. Here last week, let me, uh, let me just bring you up to date where we were. So, um, what happened last week in Jonah chapter 1 is that, that God came to Jonah and, it, and it, uh, the, the book uh, phrases it in uh, chapter one, verse one, is the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And in the word of the Lord, uh, Jonah was told from God, I want you to go and preach against Nineveh. I want you to preach them to repentance. And last week we talked about what an unusual job that Jonah was being asked to do, how unusual this was because the Ninevites were horrible uh, enemies. Uh, last week, I, I, uh, I compared it to being asked to go um, talk to someone who had been bullying you. Um, maybe another way to compare it would be um, this, this area of Nineveh is very near to the birthplace of Isis. So imagine that God came to you one day and said, I have, I have a job for you. I want you to go teach uh, the members of ISIS to be Christians. <laughs> you might raise your eyebrows a little bit. Well, Jonah did a little more than raise his, his eyebrows. He ran the other direction. And the way we put that last week was uh, God told him to go up and turn right to Nineveh. Uh, He went to the closest port he could find, got on a bone, and turned left, went the opposite direction. Well, God sent a great storm and we talked about that. And then uh, finally, uh, in the midst of this storm, the other sailors on the boat who were, who were not believers, they were not fellow Jews, they came to Jonah and said, what's happening here? Is this because of you? Uh, Jonah confirmed after the casting of some lots kind of pointed to Jonah pretty specifically, Jonah confirmed that it was indeed him. And then he said, it, it's my responsibility. He took responsibility for his sin, for going the opposite direction of, 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 of what God had told him to do. And he said, throw me overboard and God will still this storm. And where we left the story last week was the men first tried to resist that and row against the storm to get back to shore, didn't work, and they ended up picking up Jonah. Uh, He didn't walk the plank, he got tossed overboard, and the storm still, just like Jonah had said it would. And that's where we pick it up in this very extraordinary and miraculous uh, um, account of how God delivers Jonah from being tossed into the middle of the the sea. And I think if you have ever been uh, in circumstances where you feel like you're in a storm-tossed sea, if you've ever been in circumstances, which we're gonna see Jonah in in a moment, where you feel squeezed, where you feel you're just surrounded, and there's no escape, and you feel helpless, To to solve problems on your own, you you just don't know what to do, how am I going to get out of this, then you're going to relate to this story. Because this is truly, as the title says, a story about God's grace for people who are in distress. And we've all experienced distress at some point. And we're going to see Jonah... And how he responds, now that he's been tossed overboard, uh, how is he going to respond to this distress? I think we'll find it very instructional, not only about Jonah, but more importantly, about God's grace. So let's dive in. Uh, Jonah chapter 1, I'm going to start at verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days, and three nights now I'm gonna I'm gonna pause there because already there some of you may be thinking huh a, a huge fish supposedly just swallowed Jonah and I'll tell you that there are many critics uh, nowadays who would say this tells us that this is not a historical uh, account that that this is really a parable that this was not meant to be taken literally, that, that a huge fish came along and swallowed Jonah. They will talk all about how it's just not possible. And I, I, can, we, I have a few images to show you that actually it is possible, and we'll see if we can get those up there. Um, do you know what that is? That's a whale shark. And... As you can see from that swimmer, and let's go one other picture. That's a, apparently a smaller whale shark because here's the proportions of a, of a grown whale shark to a human. Interestingly, how whale sharks feed is they are, they're not predators. They, they feed on plankton and things like that, and the way they do that is they open their mouth and swim along, and all the little uh, microorganisms get scooped in as part of their diet. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about uh, a whale shark feeding that way, I begin to think, well, maybe it's possible that God sent this. Mirac- I'm not trying to say this was natural. It's miraculous for sure. What I am trying to say is it's not impossible for such a thing to happen. And, and interestingly, what, what we see here is another miracle of God. And here's the number one reason I believe that this is a literal historical account. I believe in Jesus. And I believe that what Jesus says is accurate because he's the son of God. And multiple times, our Lord, our Savior Jesus, refers to this account not as a parable, not as some sort of myth, but as historical fact. So if our Lord Jesus himself refers to this as historical fact, as surprising, as unbelievable as it might seem, and because I I can see from those images also that it's completely possible for this to happen, I'm going to tell you that today I am preaching this story as if it's a historical, real account. Now... We have so many people in this room. A lot of you are newer to the faith. You may struggle with this, but follow, follow me on this because I, I think you'll see why it's important that we take this as a literal historical account. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. What does Jonah do once he's in the belly of this big fish? I'm probably going to say whale sometime today, so forgive me. It, probably, it was very likely not a whale, all right, because a whale's not a fish, for one thing. It was a big fish. We don't know if it was a whale shark, we don't know what it was. But, let me say this, Jonah, when he gets inside that, the belly of that big fish, what's he do? Prays. In my distress, I called to the Lord. And it's interesting how he prays. As he goes on, he says, God you hurled me into the depths into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about uh, about me all your waves and breakers swept over me. I want you to circle in verse 3 the word you and then a little bit later your. As Jonah prays he prays very interestingly. He says, "God, this happened because of you. You're responsible. You hurled me into the depths. Not those men. You were behind those men throwing me into the sea. And and the waves and the breakers that swept over me, God, those were not just generic waves and breakers. Those were your waves and breakers. You see how transparently Jonah is talking to God here? How openly? Now, I, I think many of us, when we pray, we're, we're afraid to be at this level of transparency with God. Why did Jonah feel like he could kind of lay the responsibility at, at God's doorstep here? And I think there's a couple of reasons for that, and, and that forces me now to ask you to circle another couple words. Go all the way back up to verse 17, and I want you to circle the word Lord. And then... Uh, verse, in in that verse one, in my distress, I called to the Lord. Do you notice that those are spelled a little weird? what's, What's weird about how that's printed there? Yeah, it's all capitals. Now, In the English translation, the reason it's all capitals is the English translators do it this way. Whenever in the Old Testament you see it spelled with all capitals, but the last three, the O-R-D, are smaller capitals, what you know is that this is the covenant or the relational name that the Jews had for God. It, it, It goes all the way back to Genesis It's very prominent in the early chapters of Exodus. Let me give you a couple of examples. So uh, when God calls Moses to the burning bush and sends him off to rescue uh, the Jews from their slavery, um, Moses in that chapter says, the Lord was in that bush, and the Lord told me to go. And he even asked, Lord, who should I say sent me? And, he said, and the answer is, tell him the Lord. It, it, the Old Testament name, you may be familiar with it. It's Yahweh or Jehovah. And, and what it meant for the, for the Jews, for the Israelites, is that this is the God who loves us. This is the God who is gracious to us and merciful to us and forgiving. If if you remember when Moses went up to get the commandments, God comes along and, and he reveals this name, Yahweh, Jehovah, the Lord, all capitals. And this is what he says. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with Moses and proclaimed his name the Lord and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. When the Israelites, when the Jews heard this name, the Lord, that's, they thought of that. Now, This name also is the name for a holy God because he he goes on and he says, um, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. So back to the question. Why, why can Jonah, in the midst of his distress, call out to God, the almighty creator of the universe, in this way and be so transparent with him, is because Jonah knows his relationship with the Lord. You see, one of the most important things that Jesus Christ brings to us that God also indicated to Old Testament people by using this name, Yahweh, Jehovah, the Lord, is that God had a plan in the Old Testament to send a Messiah so that our relationship broken by sin could be restored and, and brought back from being enemies of God Uh, created by our sins, brought back from being dead in our trespasses and sins to alive and and to be able to call ourselves children of God. So Jonah in his distress is talking to God as if he's God's child. And and well, he should because he is God's child through faith in a coming Messiah. The same is true of you today. When, When you're in distress, one of the greatest gifts that God gives you is his name. A name that you can call, in, call on because of what Christ did for you on the cross. Now, God is also, like Jonah, at times gonna send little trigger moments of distress so that you will be brought up short and, and made to understand don't run the wrong direction for me anymore. Don't go the opposite way, I tell you, but come and talk to me. Stop sinning, repent, and come to me as a child who is loved by the Father. That's that's what Jonah is doing here. Now, what's very intriguing about this is you might ask, well, where where did Jonah learn to do this? And, And when we read the Psalms, especially David's Psalms, we can see that Jonah almost quotes verbatim some of David's Psalms. Now, Jonah lived about 750, roughly, BC. David, roughly, again, about 1000 BC. So David was preceded Jonah by about 250 years, and yet David's Psalms are still being taught to the children, taught to the people who are believers. This makes me think about our our little call for volunteers in Crosswalk Kids and how important it is for us to teach the truths of God, the word of God to our children so that when they're in distress or when they grow up and become adults like this and they go through stuff because we all go through stuff that puts a lot of pressure on us that we deep down inside of us are these truths that we've learned these Bible passages that we have at our disposal, look look at the words of Jonah and compare them to these words of, of David, Psalm 30, written 250 years earlier. Lord, my God, he calls on the same Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, the covenant God, the God of grace and mercy. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Now, in Phoenix, Arizona, recently, we have had a spate of things that look like this image I'm about to put up of a wrong way driver. This was just this week. That guy did not make it. He got on the freeway and he drove the wrong way and he got on a ramp and a car hit him coming from the opposite direction, going the correct direction, pushed him over the ramp apparently and he fell down off the ramp and hit there because he was driving the wrong direction. Do you see? You know, a lot of times we can see the pain of driving the wrong direction on I-17 or I-10. But do we see the danger and the risk of driving the wrong direction against God the way Jonah was, turning left instead of right the way that he was told? Do we understand that spiritually when we sin, when we fall short of God's holy will, when he tells us to go right and we go left and we're driving the wrong way on his freeway spiritually, It is just as deadly. And this is the lesson that God is is teaching Jonah here. He's saying, look, see these wind, see this wind and these breakers? Yeah, I sent those. You're correct to say they're my wind, my breakers. You're, You're correct to say I did this. Let me ask you a question. Would a loving God send something to stop you from driving the wrong way on the spiritual freeway if he needed to? Maybe put it more simply. Would loving people, if they had a way, to stop accidents from that from happening, would they do what they could to stop those, to stop freeway drivers from going the wrong direction? In fact, in that article, it said that there are technology upgrades going on to prevent drivers from getting on the freeway the wrong way. Loving people do this. A loving God, a gracious God, and this is what we mean when we say grace for the distress is a loving God sent Jonah this storm and then a loving God sent Jonah this whale. Well, there I just said it. I promised you I would. This big fish A loving God did that. Here's what I I want you to write down because these things will happen in your life too. For wrong way driving Jonah and for wrong way driving you, God's grace means that God provided him with a trigger moment of distress. Sometimes the only thing that can pull us up short and get us to call on God is distress. Go back up. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord as God, he said, In my distress, I called to the Lord. Sometimes we need that distress so that we turn back to God. God provided him with a trigger moment of distress. God provided him then with a big fish or physical deliverance. And while he was in the belly of that big fish, God provided him, and in fact, he had been provided much earlier, with a name to call and a listening ear, we call that prayer. If there's any beautiful thing you can take home out of this first section today, it is that when you're squeezed, when when life is wrapped around you and squeezing you like the belly of a big fish, when you feel under pressure because of Jesus Christ, Because of the cross and the empty tomb, because of all that He's done to forgive your sins, take them away, what that means practically for you is Christ opened a door, He opened a path for you to pray to God in the identity of you are a child of God. Remember what you just sang? No longer a slave to fear, no longer a slave to sin. Why not? Through Jesus Christ, you and I, we are a child of God. And that's how we can call on him. This is the way Jonah called on him. We have a name to call, Heavenly Father. And he will provide us with a listening ear. I said I have been banished from your sight. Jonah's prayer continues. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. What is Jonah thinking as he's sinking? Now he's praying in the belly of the big fish, but he's hearkening back to just after he's been thrown overboard. Can you, can you see in those words what Jonah is thinking? He's thinking, I'm toast. I'm dead. There's there's no help for me. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. I'm I'm completely helpless here. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. I am confined. Now, turn the page. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Can I ask you what's making you feel like Jonah? Because I, I know none of you are sinking down to the bottom of an ocean. But, but what makes you feel like you're a sinking Jonah right now? So many things that can distress us. Job-related stress. Stress health-related stress. Just the past two weeks, a dear, dear friend of mine called me to tell me that she has contracted breast cancer. And, and I could just tell from the tone in her voice that this is putting her in great distress. Finances. We just went through the whole Financial Peace University. Why? Because we know that one of the number one reasons in our world today people are under deep stress is because of debt that they can't seem to find their way out of. Your marriage, your children. I, I, will, I will share with you that in our family, we just went through uh, about six to eight months of pretty serious distress because my wife's mom had Alzheimer's and it was clear she was slowly dying. If you've ever taken care of an aging parent or watched someone that you love pass away, you know that that is tough. Someone who has been so core to your life. You, you have your own reason why you feel like you are sinking You have your own weeds wrapped around your heads. I I don't know in each individual case, but I can tell you this, every week we get 60 or 70 prayers that are sent to us from the back of your communication card, and invariably many of them are talking about the distress that people are going through right here in our church family, asking us to pray for them. And I hope you will continue to do that. That's what we're here for. But I want you to look at that last line at the top of page two. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. There's that name, you, the covenant God, the God of all grace, mercy, forgiveness, the God who has promised to send someone to crush the head of Satan and to make me his child. You rescued me, you delivered me. You saved me by sending this big fish. You brought my life up out of the pit. You see, when we become Christians, the beauty of this is we don't just get a a new identity, child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, dearly loved, but we we also get something just as wonderful, if not more. We get a new destiny. Our lives, because of sin... We're headed to the pit. Literally, this word used here is a word that the, the Old Testament Israelites, the Old Testament believers use for hell sometimes, sometimes for the grave. And how wonderful to be able to sit here today through the blood of Christ shed on the cross, through the, the power of the empty tomb, Christ's resurrection, and just say, I have a new identity, dearly loved child of God bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, and I have a new destiny. My life has been brought up from the pit. I'm not going to hell anymore. I'm going to heaven. And all these daily pressures created by by work and marriage and, and, and parents that need to be taken care of and finances and health, by comparison, they're not much. And I know God will help me there too. God will walk with me. God will deliver me. You know, sometimes I think we just need time to to maybe step back a little bit and realize that our God is a savior God, a delivering God who delivers us from the big things like sin and death and hell and Satan. But our God is, is, is also a God who walks through us through the pain of everyday life, as he did with Jonah here. I don't know if you've ever heard the name Charlie Plum. We'll put a picture up here. Charlie's a very interesting character because in the most difficult of circumstances, Charlie Plum turned a circumstance that would cause most people to experience extreme distress into what scientists and psychologists now call eustress, E-U, stress, which means you use stressors to benefit you, to strengthen you, to energize you. You see, Charlie Plum was a prisoner in the Vietnam War, and under very difficult circumstances mentally. Charlie Plum was a fighter pilot And he got shot down and captured by the Vietnamese five days, five days before his tour of duty was to end. Can you imagine that? Just five days more and I I would have been headed back home. And now I'm in this Vietnamese prison. Do you know how long Charlie Plum spent confined? We talked about Jonah being confined in the belly of a big fish. Charlie Plum was confined in the Hanoi Hilton, a Vietnamese prison, for more than six years. And, and I, I, I listened to an interview of him yesterday, preparing for this message. Charlie Plum's a Christian. And it's interesting what he says about how he was able to have his distress become eustress. He, he says things like, when I was in prison, I, there was no outside world for me. And, and this became a blessing for me because when you, in everyday life, as a fighter pilot or anything else that you do, and think about this in your own life, don't you find that you're constantly running, constantly thinking about the next thing, constantly looking at this, that, and everywhere, and, and you're just, everything is about making the next step of life happen. Who gets time nowadays to just step back and get into their own heart and their own mind and just think for a little while? Hardly anybody does that. Charlie Plum said I had six years to do that because there was no outside world. There was no next thing for me to do. I was in a prison cell, we didn't have a schedule. So I began trying to remember every Bible story I ever heard. I started trying to re-memorize every Bible passage that I had ever memorized. And then in the prison, we realized we couldn't do this, even though we were often isolated in cells of one or two, we couldn't do this if we didn't uh, stick together and build community. So we, we, we figured out this system of talking via tugs on a wire. And so we built this community. We built a chain of command. And all of these things helped us. All of these things helped us to turn distress into a positive form of use stress so that we could grow and, and get stronger through this. Interesting statistic of those who served in the Vietnam War, about 1.5 million combatants. 30.6% of them came back and had PTSD. Nearly a third. And one can certainly understand why that would be. But of those who served at, as POWs, under very extreme circumstances of torture, only 4% of them came back with PTSD. And Charlie Plum says, I think that's because We had time to think about our relationship with God. Can can, can I suggest something to you out of this? I I think we all need big fish belly time in our life. Do you have any big fish belly time in your life? There's There's a saying, Jim Rohn is famous for this. He says, there are two kinds of pain that we, can, that we can experience. We can experience the pain of self-discipline or we can experience the, the pain of regret. It takes self-discipline to set aside time for God's word every day. It takes self-discipline to set aside time for prayer every day. To, to stop the outside world and to take time to think within yourself, what's my relationship to God? To remember I'm a child of God to remember I have a new destiny, to remember I have a community of brothers and sisters in Christ that Christ created for me that I can communicate with. If if I were to make a suggestion based on this passage, it, it would be, and it's clear, that just as Charlie Plum was blessed by his confinement, Jonah is blessed by his confinement. Now that can happen from outside or it can happen through the self-discipline, Holy Spirit created and directed of getting yourself some big fish belly time to think, to pray, to be in the word of God, to remember all those stories about God's grace and mercy and forgiveness that you've learned. I I want to prevail upon you today to think about how you're going to build, build big fish belly time into your life for your good, because it will help you go from being helpless to being filled with hope. Write this down. For sinking Jonah, God's grace meant that he was in a helpless place, but he was not in a hopeless situation. To get there, Jonah need that time of confinement to understand, yes, by myself, I'm helpless. I can't rescue myself, but I'm not hopeless because God will rescue me. Look at what David wrote again. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You see, when life is coming at you so fast, you will forget all his benefits. Take some time aside to remember all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. This is the God we want to remember. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your, your youth is renewed like the eagle's. last section. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols, turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. I want you to double underline that sentence. You know why? Salvation comes from the Lord. That is the message of this book, Jonah. Salvation comes from the Lord. And by the way, salvation comes from the Lord is the message of the entire Bible. If someone ever asked you, summarize the message of the Bible in five words, you could not do better than these five words. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it it vomited Jonah onto dry land. What does Jonah say here? When everything was going to hell in a handbasket, when I thought I didn't have a chance to survive, my thoughts turned to you, Lord. I remembered you. I remembered that you are Jehovah, Yahweh, The covenant God who loves me, who forgives me. I remembered this. Worthless idols can't do this. And when I remembered that, I decided that I would just thank and praise you and worship you. Do you notice what's interesting here? Jonah's still in the belly of the big fish throughout this entire prayer. Do you notice that Jonah never says, hey, God, Get me out of this big belly. He never asks to be further saved. He simply worships. He simply thanks. And then God does do it. He does deliver him, and the fish vomits him out. See, this, this is the message of our faith, of Christianity. Again, go, go another 200 years into the future or, or so, not quite, maybe 150, and you come to the prophet Jeremiah. And, and look at what Jeremiah says For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you, plans to send you a savior, plans to have him crucified for your sins, for him to sacrifice himself, for him to rise from the dead. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Write this down. For repentant Jonah, God's grace meant salvation and a life built around worship, thanksgiving, and change. Notice what Jonah says. But I with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah now sees that his life has purpose. And the the old way of running from God, that's not the right way. He turns to God with a repentant heart and he says, I'm going to run in your path now, God. God. I'm gonna do the things that you ask me to do knowing that you will bless me in this way. I'm gonna worship you, I'm gonna thank you and I'm gonna change. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as you hear this message of God's grace today, there is no better next step for you. You could write this one down on the green communication card and say, in thanksgiving for all that Christ has done for me, I will worship God as a child worships his father, uh, I, I, will, I will thank him with my life. And those things that I am doing that are sinful, I will change those things with the help of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I don't know all the things that are causing you distress, but can I suggest to you that one of the biggest things that causes us distress in life is often guilt and shame over the sins that we've committed. The beauty of God and His love for us is that He can and will and wants to change us from those things and give us the joy of living in the path of God. I want to I ask you today to think about what you need to change. And grateful for all that Christ has given you, grateful for His blood that washes away your sins for his resurrection that gives you the hope of a new destiny, commit yourself with the help of God the Holy Spirit to changing those things. And commit yourself to remembering all the time God's grace which says salvation comes from the Lord. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your amazing grace, your your love, your, your forgiveness. Lord, we say with Jonah, salvation comes from the Lord and it does. Now, Lord, as as we go out from this room today, help us in in several very specific ways. Lord, help us to to think about the sins that we need to repent of and turn away from. The, The left turns that we've made when we needed to turn right. Lord, help us also to to remember that there's nothing better in life than to create a little uh, big fish belly space so that we can think about you and your love and our relationship to you as dearly loved children. Lord, most of all, help us to live lives that are filled with worship and thanksgiving and change, created by your Holy Spirit, not by us. And as we do all of these things, Lord, help us to focus on the cross and the empty tomb and to repeat again and again and again to ourselves and to others, salvation comes from the Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name.